church investment. Uh, our series, our, our theme this year is Life as a Church, and we're looking at uh, how our lives are to be intertwined with the church and how the church is to be intertwined in our lives. That's the way it was designed. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to happen. Uh, too often, things get confused and taken out of order and life rushes in. And we know that na nature doesn't like a vacuum and nat nature fills a vacuum. That's why when you dig a hole, uh, dirt falls back into it. And in our lives, it's the same way. If you start to neglect something and there becomes a vacuum of something in your life, something else is going to fill it. That's what happens too often when it comes to church in our lives. There's a, a vacuum when we, let, when we let it slide and it's filled with other things. So we started talking last week about the life church investment. Let's go ahead and read Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. <clears throat> Luke 14, it's not spelled Mark, it's spelled Luke. Luke. Starting off on the wrong foot. Luke chapter 14, beginning of verse 28, says, For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Last week, I started off uh, explaining what informed consent was, and many of you have been through that process of having to give informed consent about something, whether it's uh, a medical procedure, whether it's uh, financial uh, disclosure, whether it's at work, uh, signing a, some kind of an agreement. Uh, you have to have informed consent. In other words, you need to know what it is you're getting into before you sign your name, or you have that option and that responsibility for yourself. That way, once you sign it, once you put your name down there, you, the, the person that you are signing the agreement with is no longer held liable for or responsible for your end of the deal. You know what you're, you're supposed to know what you're getting yourself into. That's what this text is when it comes to following Jesus Christ. This is our informed consent. What Jesus is saying to us is, listen, this is not a little thing. And if you, if you are in the habit of playing church and playing, uh, allowing, uh, think that, that following God is a, is a game in life, Jesus has another idea. He says you need to understand what it is you're getting yourself into. When you sit down and, and make a decision about something important in your life, you usually count the cost and usually sit down and figure out whether or not you have what it takes to follow through. Jesus says the same thing about your life. I want you to count the cost when it comes to following me. Because many times, those who begin to follow and then fall away and choose to walk away are, are more of a detriment to the kingdom of God than those who never started following in the first place. Because with Jesus Christ, following him is all about the follow-through. It's all about continuing. It's all about being consistent. And that's what he's talking to us here about. Your investment in the kingdom of God through your local church is vital to the success of the kingdom of God on earth. That's how he designed it to work. Understand that, and I know I say this a lot, and we talk about this a lot, and we're going to probably continue to talk about it a lot because it is so important for us to understand and know that the local church is God's vehicle for reaching the world. It's how he designed it. People may not like it. People may disagree with it. You may have read things on the Internet, and you may have had conversations with people on Facebook or whatever about local church and, and people that you admire and respect may say, well, I don't need a church. And you may have people that give little devotionals on, on Facebook on the, or on social media. And that may be what some people count as church, but that is not the way God designed it. He designed it for us to be a body of believers that come together for a purpose. Therefore, it's important that we understand how we fit into the church, and how the church is supposed to fit into our lives. 
Now, when we leave God's intended path of investment or his blueprint for the kingdom, understand this. Well, people say, well, what's the big deal? What's the big, why, why do you make such a big deal about being in church? It must be about the numbers. It must, we're, we're going to be, those of you who were here last week or you watched us on Facebook know that I said today we're going to be talking about money, right? And people still showed up. That's, a, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, some of you who weren't here last week and didn't listen to us, surprise. Um, but people say, well, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about not being a part of a church, not being in church? Here's the big deal for your life. When you remove yourself from God's path and plan and blueprint for your life, you remove yourself from God's covering of blessing over your life. You understand that? When you take yourself out of God's blueprint for your life, the way he says it's supposed to be done, you remove yourself from God's covering blessing of your life. In other words, God is not obligated to bless our efforts of investment that don't follow his biblical plan for investing. <clears throat> Let's put it this way. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if you have, if many of you, you have a mortgage or a car payment, right? Now, you have entered into an agreement with the bank to pay that mortgage, to pay that car payment. What is the bank going to say if you say, you know, now, Bank of America is a little bit out of my way. It's not really convenient. They don't really have the hours. They're not in Big Y. They're not even in Stop and Shop. So I can't go and do one-stop shopping. I can't buy my groceries and pay my car payment at the same time. It's really inconvenient. So even though I've got the mortgage or the car payment through Bank of America, I'm going to go ahead and pay it at um, United Bank because United Bank is much more convenient for me to pay it. It's on my way. You know, United Bank might be really happy with that because they are getting your money for no reason whatsoever. But it's only going to take a month or two for Bank of America to say, hey, something's wrong here. We're going to come and take that car back or we're going to have you removed from the home because you're not making the payment that you'd agree upon. You're not doing it the way we've set it up to be done. Does that make sense? Why then do we expect God to, to hold up his end of the bargain of blessing on our lives when we're not doing it the way he said to? We can't expect God to follow through on his blessings. or We, we can try to expect it, but we, can't, we, we truly have no biblical basis to stand on. To expect God to follow through on blessing our lives, we're not willing to do what he said to do. We're not willing to do it the way he said for us to do it. When you remove yourself from God's blueprint for living, God is no longer obligated to keep a covering of blessing over your life. Well, I'm, I'm so frustrated because I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to... Are you doing it God's way? Are you praying about things? Or are you just using common sense? No. <laughs> you know, I, I have found in, in the... And over 50 years, I've known Christ as my Savior. In over 50 years, I have found, and maybe some of you can attest to this fact too, I have found that a lot of things that are done God's way don't really make sense when it comes to human beings. Right? It doesn't always make sense. There sometimes would seem to be a much easier way, a much more convenient way to do things but that's not necessarily the way God wants it to happen. So what I've learned is that I need to follow God's path for my life and God's plan for my life if I expect to have God's blessing on my life. Now, 
we started talking about church being an investment of our life. And there are two parts to this message. We're going to pick up the second part next week. We're talking about the life church investment. And there's your investment in the church and the church's investment in you. And originally, I told the Bible study on Wednesday night, originally I had this flipped the other way. The first part was going to be the church's investment in your life, and the second was going to be your investment in the church. And it just didn't seem right, and I prayed more about the Holy Spirit. I said, well, John, that's not the right order. This isn't, the church isn't a welfare state, right? You get according to what you give. So in order to get, you must give first, okay? So the first thing we look at is what do you invest in the church? How do you invest your life in the church? And next week, we'll see what happens because of that and how the church then will invest back in you. So we started talking about this. How do you invest in your church? First thing we said was your investment determines your level of blessing. We're going to repeat that throughout this message. Your investment determines your level of blessing. The level that you give is the level that you will receive. We also said that, went into the idea of what is it that you have to invest? Because that's where we really really want to get down to business. That's where the rubber meets the road, right? What is it that you have to invest? And we always think, everybody thinks, you may mention investment, the first thing we go to is money. At least talking about our money. And you know, I, I understand that there are people out there and there are preachers out there that are all about the money. I get it. There are those who can't, it, it seems like they can't get enough. They got to have more. And they talk about giving, your, giving an offering of first fruits, right? And seed investment. You, you invest a seed. Okay, all right. While you're, you know, the one last year that wanted to get a seed investment from people to buy a new $70 million jet. Okay? That's, not what, that's not the way God planned things, folks. Okay? So I understand that it's a, it's a tough topic to talk about. And I understand that people get really sensitive, but I also understand this. As a pastor, I am charged to preach the whole counsel of God, the entire word of God, and the Bible clearly tells us that we are responsible to God for our finances. So it's important that we at least understand what the Bible has to say about our money, our church, and God. So that's what we're going to do today. First thing we talked about was our time. We, we have time to invest. Then we talked about investing of our talents and how we, we give of our talents. I'm so thankful for the worship team that, w that invests their talents here. They, they, show, they, they uh, practiced on Tuesday when everybody else was home. They're here Tuesday night practicing and, and getting ready. I think it's awesome. I think people giving of their time behind the scenes giving of their time and their talent to serve God and to invest in our church. And now we're coming to the third area that we have to invest, our treasure. What is our treasure? Our money, plain and simple. Plain and simple, it's our money. Did you know that God has given you what you have to be a good steward of to invest back into the kingdom of God? Now, when we talk about investment, and people talk about money, they always go to 10%, the tithe, right? And last week I said, if we were to apply that principle of tithing to more than just our money, but to our talents and our, and our time, then 90% of our life would be our own. Yet the Bible says, do everything you do for the glory of God. So your life is not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your life. Your money as well. You are called to be a good steward of your money. Now, before we get into that, before we get into this, I want to look at some, some statistics. Why is that word so difficult to pronounce? <laughs> some statistics. I'm glad you're laughing because this is really kind of a sober subject. <laughs> 
some statistics about giving in the local church today. Now, we're not talking about churches in America, period. I'm not going to name denominations, but we're not talking about churches that are not evangelical churches. We are considered an evangelical church. We believe the Bible is the word of God. We believe that all men are sinners, all human beings are sinners, that Jesus Christ died for everybody, that you've got to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. It has nothing to do with your works. And we believe it's our responsibility to tell other people about Jesus. That's being an evangelical in a nutshell. Okay? So we're talking about evangelicals in church today in America. Some quick statistics, because everybody wants to talk about the tithe. And I'm going to tell you right up front that after these statistics, talking about the tithe is a moot point. Okay? It doesn't, and I know those of you, there are, there are some people in our church that tithe, and they believe the Bible teaches tithing, and I get that, and keep it up, because God's going to bless you. But if that's where we start with most people, we're going to lose them. I'm going to show you why. Only about 5%, I think these will be up on the screen as well, only about 5% of evangelicals in America today tithe. 5%. Now, some evangelicals don't go to church, right? Many of you have friends who are evangelical. They believe the way you do, and they don't go to church, okay? So the... the the average congregation in America today, evangelical congregation, it's a wide, wide range, but it's on the low scale. Between 10 and 25% of the average evangelical congregation tithes or gives 10% of their income to the church. Those evangelicals who make under $20,000 a year, 8% of them tithe. For those who make over $70,000, over $75,000 a year, the number drops to 1%. Isn't that strange? The more God gives, the less evangelical Christians give back. Seventy percent of those who do tithe give between 11 and 20% of their income. Why? Because those people have found that God truly is a God of promise and a God of blessing. And that they really can trust him. See, I believe giving is just like anything else in your life. The more you do it, the more God blesses you. And it causes your faith to grow. And the more God causes your faith to grow, the more opportunities he provides you to take that step of faith. And then you take that step of faith and God proves himself so that you can take another step of faith. And what he's doing is building a bridge from you to him because he wants you to be on the page with him. You see, that's where we're coming from. We're not coming from, where, from this point where, man, you've got to give 10% or God's not going to bless you because I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that's biblical. But... We're all responsible to fund the kingdom of God's work. Everybody. Well, I don't make much. I get it. Now, if I were to make a political argument here, I am a flat tax guy. I believe everybody should pay the same percentage, not the same amount. So if you make $10,000 and you pay 10%, you're paying $1,000 in taxes. If you make... $10 million and you pay 10%, you're paying a million dollars, but you're all paying 10%, right? I believe that's fair because that's the way God designed it in his economy. God says it doesn't matter the amount. It matters that you participate and that you give what you can. And we're going to look at some verses about that. Now, a few more statistics. The average Christian giving, about 80% of evangelical Christians, the evangelical community in America, the average giving is 2.5% of their income. So for every $100 the average evangelical makes in America, they give $2.50. That's average income. To contrast that, during the most difficult financial time in America's history, the Great Depression the average giving to church was 
So we're in a much better financial situation nowadays than we were um, 90, 80 to 90 years ago. But we're giving less to the kingdom of God. By the way, this doesn't include just giving to the church. This is giving to parachurch organizations like um, uh, Samaritan's Purse is considered a parachurch organization. A parachurch organization is just a, a ministry that is not connected or started by a local church, okay? Now, 37% of all church attenders don't give at all to the church. So over one-third of everybody that goes to church, evangelical churches in America today, doesn't financially support that church. And the average amount that is given by evangelicals throughout the per week is $17. $17. Okay? $17 is the average giving in America today. Some people, I mean, we've all, listen, we've all got reasons why we couldn't give, why we can't give. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We've all got reasons. I'm not going to call them excuses. I'm going to call them reasons. We've all got reasons. We've all got arguments. I can't afford to. You have no idea how much I make. Okay, you're, you're absolutely right. I, with the argument I've made already about if you don't do things God's way, you take yourself out of God's blessing, I believe you can't afford not to give. That's just my feeling. I believe I want God's blessing on my life. Listen, I'll get a little personal, okay? I make $275 a week from New Life. That's my salary, okay? I'm a 60% disabled veteran because of my injuries. You can go look that up online and see how much that is. The first thing we do when my dad hands me the check on Sunday, I put that in the bank and electronically on newlife317.com, I give, my wife and I give $30 to the church. Now, quick math shows that that's more than 10%. Yep. Okay, great, fine, whatever, whatever. When my disability hits on the first, of the first day of the, of the month, first thing I do, I check and make sure it's there because I, I don't want an overdraft fee. Okay? We give. We give. And we give a little bit above what the 10% is. I don't say that for a pat on the back. I say that because that's what we do. And I say that for this, this purpose. You can look up how much a 60% disabled veteran makes. You're not, gonna, you're not gonna buy a house in Tahiti with that. But my wife and I are, are at the, no pun intended, at the doorstep of buying a house in East Long Meadow, buying a house in this town on that income. That's, like I said, that's not a pat on the back. You know why that's happening? Because my God blesses us beyond what we can believe. I can't believe we're getting ready to buy a house. <laughs> Ask my wife. I am shocked beyond belief. It's at the underwriter right now. The underwriter, Aaron taught, we, we had to get one thing over to the underwriter this week. She got it over there because Aaron is much better at the details than I am. I'm like, yeah, whatever. She's like, no, get it over here now. So we got it over there and she said, you guys should be packing. Listen, when the person that's approving the loan says you should start packing, I must... I'm still not quite sure I want to pack yet, but, but, that's, but that's where we're at. If you walk to our porch right now, you'd see cardboard boxes everywhere. That's not because we're such wise financial people. It's not because we sell drugs on the corner of the street. It's because I believe with all my heart. It's because we're faithful to God in giving. And God is faithful to us with his blessings. That's the way I choose to live my life. You may not be convinced of that yet. You may not be at that point yet, but I choose to live my life that way. 
I choose to live in God's covering of blessing over my life. And I believe that if I do things God's way, God is going to bless me. I'm a living testimony. If I were to ask other people to come up here and that, that, are, that are givers like that, that give and have given for, for years, for decades, some of them, they would tell you the same thing. They can't explain it, but it's true. It's happening. When, when I shared with the, uh, the, the first mortgage guy what our income was, he, he's like, okay, um, got anything else? <laughs> like, that's it, man. That's it. He called back, and we were, shy. we were more shocked than anybody. He says, you've been approved. Been pre-approved. I'm sorry, pre-approved. Can't say you're approved yet. I can't explain these things, but I can tell you this. That as faithful as we are in giving to God through this local church, God is more faithful in giving back to us and blessing us beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. Some people say, well, I don't get anything back. Let me tell you how we, we are, we're beyond the, um, the down payment now. We've got more, more money in the bank. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make this about it. It just, it just fits in. I didn't, it's not in my notes to talk about our, our home buying process, but it fits. Uh, okay. <laughs> we are beyond our, our down payment. You say, well, I don't get checks showing up in the mail. What? How, God doesn't, how, I don't see God's... I came home the other day and there were four big garbage bags of cans at our doorstep and two other trash bags of cans. And remember, I told you, and I, I'll be, Cliff can verify this. I don't really care if you want to verify it for people. Cliff, it's fine with me. We give $30 a week out of my paycheck to the church of my $275 paycheck. When Aaron went back, she's all about returning cans right now to put money in the bank. When Aaron returned those cans, remember, we gave $30 in the offering. She returned the cans and it was $44 and change. Okay? I'm telling you, well, <laughs> cans, Pastor John? Yeah, cans. Do you know that every can costs, you, you pay a nickel for every can, right? So, so when you return those cans, that's money back in your pocket. Okay? I didn't buy those sodas. I didn't drink those sodas and other uh, waters and stuff that were in there. But I sure did, my wife sure did cash that money and it sure is sitting in our bank account right now. You see, God blesses you just because you don't think you see it. God blesses you. Suddenly your car gets better gas mileage. Suddenly, you walk into Big Y right at the right spot, and you're, you, uh, you see what you need, and it's on sale. See, God blesses you and gives you back things that you've never thought you'd see before. And he blesses and blesses if you do things his way. And other people say, well, I don't use the church for anything. Oh, that's your fault. <laughs> I'm serious. That's your fault. We had an amazing meeting yesterday morning with the men. I, you know what? I, I was so... It's been a rough four months in my life and my family. It's been brutal. <laughs> my family's been threatened physically four times. Four times. Physical threats on my family from people that used to go... I'll, I'll speak it. From people that used to go to this church. Four times in the last four months. Now, me, <laughs> threaten me all you want. I'm a big enough guy to handle myself. Bench press 335, come on, let's do it. <laughs> right, Lewis? I got enough guys at the gym that we'll come and, we'll come and visit your house. <laughs> Just joking, don't take me serious there. No, but I don't, I don't really care. But when you start threatening my wife, and then you start threatening my eight-year-old boys, folks, we got an issue got an issue, okay? We got a problem here. What I'm saying is my God is faithful. And my God wants to bless my life. 
beyond belief. And even though it's difficult at times, I'm still going to do what he wants me to do. Because I can't imagine what my life would have been over the last four months had I not been faithful to God. I'd be, looking, I, I'd be watching this in prison on Facebook. No joke. God wants to bless your life, but you have to do it his way. Yesterday morning, those men were just... It was water for a thirsty soul, Lewis. It was an amazing time. My friend Melvin. So if you don't get something out of this church, that's your own fault. Because we're here. And we're going to learn more about how next week, about how the church can invest back in you. But you have got to be the one to start the process. Nobody can force you into it. You've got to make that conscious effort to get involved. Some of you are watching us on Facebook, and you watch us faithfully on Facebook. I, I, I'm so thankful. Let me tell you, God wants to bless your life. And even though you're not coming out, that you're, some people, they watch us on Facebook because they can't come to church for whatever reason. You can still live in God's blessing. You can still, and this is not a blatant ask for money. Please don't get me wrong. But some people have said, well, I can't go to church. I, I live in an area where there's no church. I don't, I, there's no church in my area or, or I can't make it because I have to work on Sundays. Did you know that you can still give to this church and still support the kingdom of God by giving of your finances? We have ways you can give online. Go to newlife317.com. Click in the upper left-hand corner. The, give, the box will come down. Click on giving and it'll walk you through it. If you don't know, if you're not quite sure, you can message us on Facebook and Jonathan Rowe will walk you through how to give. You can still, even if you can't make it to church on Sundays, you can still live in God's blessing of your finances by supporting the ministry. You can still do that. Listen, I know it's, it's difficult. I know it's tough, but I'm so tired of dancing around issues. I truly am. And if you want to live in God, listen, it's got to come down to it, folks. If you want to live in God's blessing, then you've got to start living in God's, you've got to start investing because God's not obligated to bless you if you don't do something first. That's the way he's designed it. All of these, all of these excuses are irrelevant because you're commanded to give. You're commanded to give. Let me say this. If there's anything you remember out of this whole message this morning, remember this. You can never underestimate the impact of your investment. You can never underestimate the impact of your investment. God wants to bless you, and God wants to bless this ministry. And God wants to reach people with the gospel. But we have to take responsibility first and get busy. So let's get into it. There's three principles to follow when it comes to giving your money or anything, but we're talking about your money, to God's kingdom work in your local church. The first one is this. When it comes to giving to God's uh, kingdom through your local church, be generous. Be generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he, was de as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, always having everything you need, always having everything you need. You may excel in every good work. Did you hear that the three times I said it? God wants to bless your life and give you the things you need. Not everything you want. I want season tickets to the Dodgers. <laughs> 
and a private jet to fly me there every for every game. No, I don't want season tickets to the Cowboys, Melvin. <laughs> Actually, I'd take them. <laughs> Jerry Jones, I don't know if I ever told you, Jerry Jones' mother used to go to the church that I worked at in Missouri. He's from Springfield, Missouri. Jerry Jones' mother totally has nothing to do with this message today. <laughs> I was the college pastor, and some of my students were joining the church that day, and they, in that church, everybody came down to join the church, to the front. Well, Mrs. Jones came down that day to join the church, and she stood right next to me. She had a ring on her finger. <sighs> Yeah, it was an expensive ring. It was a football, a shape of a football, covered in diamonds. And I, we, the pastor gave all of a, the staff pastors, senior pastor gave us all people to call through the week to remind them about church. I had to call Mrs. Jones one day, right? I said, hi, Mrs. Jones. She said, hello. I said, this is John Chase from the church. Oh, hi, John. How are you? I said, I'm doing well. I said, just wanted to call you and remind you about church this Sunday. She says, oh, I won't be there. Jerry is sending the jet up to my house to take me down to Dallas for the day. Oh. Her son, Jerry, had put in, no lie, man, in her front yard, she had a landing strip. So his private jet flew into his mom's house and picked her up and took her to Dallas. For the weekend. So that's what I want. See, it fits in. That's what I want for the Dodgers. I want a landing strip in my front yard and season tickets to the Dodgers. That's not what God promises me. God promises to meet my needs. And God promises to give me everything I need if I will be faithful in giving to him what he has asked of me. If I will activate God's, God's pattern of blessing in my life by taking that step and giving to him, then he will in turn give back to me. So when it comes to giving of your money, be generous. The second thing is this, and this is where I think people get, get everything out of whack. And I think a big part of the problem is with pastors who preach this because some guys are greedy. Some men and women who preach are greedy and all they want is your money. They don't really care about the blessing because it's not true that God doesn't want your wallet to be empty. It's not true that God has your brand new car waiting for you. Listen, we have two vehicles, a 2009 Chevy Silverado and a 2010 um, Lexus whatever it is. 2010. Okay? They're not brand new, but they get us from point A to point B. Our needs are met. That's what God promises. This is a promise that if I, if I invest this seed in this ministry, that I'm going to have a brand new Lexus. He promises that he's going to meet my needs. And too many people overpromise of what God has really said. God didn't say those things. So when it comes to giving, the second thing we need to do is be responsible. Be responsible. I'll make this, this may seem like a really crazy illustration or application, but I'll make it. Giving to church is not like playing the lottery. Okay? Now, I went, to, I went to a pastor's fellowship one time, and it was for older guys. Um, it was a lot of men that had uh, ministered in the, the time my dad was a pastor. So they knew me as, as Dave's son, right? So we're all sitting at this Chinese buffet, and we're eating. And uh, I said, guys, I came up with this new strategy for giving, Man, you talk to a group of pastors about, new, about how to raise money, and forks go down, right? And I had everybody's ears. I said, it's called Scratch Ticket Sunday. <laughs> it was a joke, but they didn't know that. I said, Scratch Ticket Sunday, and the eyes widened up. I said, yeah. I said, what I'm going to tell my people to do is go down and spend about anywhere from $20 to $50 and buy a bunch of scratch tickets, and then bring those scratch tickets in and put them in the offering plate. And after service, we're going to sit down and we're going to scratch them off and see what God will do. Wow. Hey, that didn't go over too big. <laughs> they looked at me like I was the, the most heretical pastor that's ever walked the earth. And then I looked at them and said, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But that's what some people do, right? 
You hit financial crisis. Oh, I better give in the offering plate so God will, I'll hit the lottery with God. That's not the way to do it. You've got to give in a responsible manner. I've heard pastors say, oh, you want to, you want to, uh, pay off your debts, then give your, give your, your paycheck to the offering. <laughs> See, that goes against what we talked about last week. God provides for you so you can provide for your needs. God provided the money for you to pay your mortgage. God provided the money for you to put food on the table. God provided the money for you to put gas in your vehicle. So that's all honoring God because you're taking care of your responsibilities. But God also provided money for you to support the kingdom of God through your local church. So you don't have to go crazy to get God's blessing. In fact, in the Old Testament, God said, all I'm asking, if you will, if you will bring your tithe 10% into, the, into the, the, the storehouse or the church, then I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you that you can't contain. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You see, you don't have to play the lottery with God. You just have to be faithful. So be responsible when it comes to your giving. God loves a cheerful, prompt, willing, and confident giver. I know, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know that if I'm faithful in giving to God every time I get, I get paid, then God will be responsible and will bless me the same way. And beyond what I, he says he'll give you back beyond what you can ask or think. I don't know what opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing to you means to you, but to me it's pretty amazing. It's more than I could ever understand or imagine. So we're to be responsible in our giving. A responsible giver knows what they're doing and why they're doing it. A responsible giver to the kingdom of God through the local church knows what they're doing and why they're doing it. If you're a married couple, I believe you guys should sit down together. When it comes to giving, I believe you should sit down together and both should know what the amount is that you're giving. And you should agree on it. Because it needs to be a step of faith. Because, see, when you get married, you become a team. Right? When you get married, you become a team. And it's important that that team is on the same page. The Dodgers and the Red Sox made a trade this year. Mookie Betts now wears Dodger blue, as God intended it. Okay? Listen, I don't always get to brag about my teams in New England, so I'm going to say a little bit about this. I do not expect Mookie Betts to run out there on opening day to right field in God's backyard called Dodger Stadium, <laughs> wearing a Red Sox uniform, right? I expect Mookie Betts to run out there in beautiful dodger blue and white with the number 50 emblazoned in blue on his back. Why? Because he plays for the Dodgers, not the Red Sox. So we need, that, that team needs to be on the same page, playing the same game for the same purpose. In your marriage, husbands and wives, you're a team. You need to be on the same page. So I challenge you to sit down and talk about it. Well, we don't agree. Well, sit down and talk about it until you do agree. <laughs> Seriously, just because you don't agree doesn't mean you don't have to talk about it. The hardest answers to come to sometimes take the longest conversation. But you still come to that answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each person says, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. You know why I don't tell people once they get saved, you need to give 10% of your income? Because that right off the bat, and even many of you who don't practice giving to the church, if I said, listen, if God, God's telling you, you better give 10% right now or else, you're not going to give with the right heart attitude. You may give and say, well... Pastor John said, give or else. So I don't want God to judge me. I remember one time 
uh, had somebody say, you know what, I give to the church, but my car broke down. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're, you're not going to have the same struggles throughout the rest of your life, but did you still get to work? Because even though your, church, your car broke down, God still provided a way for you to get to work so you can earn money, so you can get your car fixed. See, I would rather, I said this last week and I'll say it again, I would rather see a couple give $10 in the offering plate every week, united in their purpose, lovingly and cheerfully in the reason they give because they're looking to, they're, they're, they're taking that step, igniting their faith and getting God's purpose of blessing going in their life. They're giving responsibly. I, listen, when it comes to being generous, I can't set what generous is for your family. I can't do that. For me, when Aaron and I got married, I had a TV from Rent-A-Center and wicker furniture that used to be on my parents' back porch. That was my living room. So giving somebody a wicker chair to me was a big deal. I gave you one of my seats, you know? Material things are not that big to me. As long as I got a Dodgers hat, I'm happy. But... Those of you Red Sox fans, you'll learn how to set your expectations higher. <laughs> but what's generous for me may not be generous for you, and what's generous to you may not be my level of generosity. That's why the Bible says each of you must purpose and decide in your own heart what you're going to give. Because God loves a cheerful giver, a confident giver, a happy giver, a giver that is faithful in their giving, and a giver that knows their purpose. So we're to be generous, we're to be generous, we'll be responsible. And then I believe the third area is that we need to think eternally when we give. Think eternally. Have faith in God. We don't give of our finances to this church so that we can have better roads in town. We don't give of our finances in this church so that we can have a better educational system. We give our finances so the ministry of this church collectively can reach out to this community with the, with the message of Jesus Christ. Did you know that those of you who give financially to this church literally are reaching people around the world with the gospel? Did you know that? If you give financially to this church, you are helping fund the internet that we use and everything that we have, everything, Jonathan can explain it to you, because I can't, everything that happens to get the signal from this church onto Facebook around the world. By your giving. Because internet isn't free. Don't know if you knew that or not. You all have to pay an internet bill. So does the church. So in order for this to get out, if you've been encouraged throughout the week, by something you read or you have a, 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 a God chuckle throughout the week because of something that's posted. Or in the ladies' ministry, right? The ladies, if, you, if you're not connected in the ladies' page, you go on, the ladies have a, their, own, their own Facebook group. Maybe somebody has encouraged you or prayed for you and you've been encouraged by something like that. Did you know that if you give financially to this church, you are part of that? Because we have to have money to pay the bills. We have to have money to do these things. So you're putting, you're, you're sending rewards up to heaven, thinking eternally, not materially. You see, that's what happens when you give. And then God blesses you here on earth. It's kind of like the giving living principle. You give to get, to give, to get, to give, so you can get more, so you can give more. And it's just a cycle. God promises to bless those who give a part of their income to support the work of his kingdom on earth. In, a New Test in the New Testament times, that entity was the local church. Malachi 3, 
verses 8 through 10 says, Will a man rob God? You are robbing me. How do we rob you, you ask? By not making the payments of the tenth of your and the contributions. You're suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. That's scary, isn't it? Pastor John, I have bills. I have children. And listen, I'm not being funny anymore. I'm being downright serious. Some of you young families, you've got a lot of responsibilities. This past week, when that statement comes this, come, this coming week, I don't even want to open it. I'll be real honest. I don't even want to open it. I'm probably just going to file it in the trash can. Okay? Because we have a 401k, and I don't even want to know right now. It's better off that I don't. And I'll just let things build back up again. So I understand. I get it. But I also get this. God is more powerful than the stock market. God is more in control of everything than our government. And I know that God keeps his promises better than anybody that's ever been born in this world. And if I will give and support my local church, the, the church that is doing kingdom work, then God will provide my needs. God will take care of me. And I know it's scary for some of you young families, some of you young Christians who have never been there. And I know you're saying, well, here we go talking about, but it's not that way. You can see that it's not that way. We don't talk about it a lot. And it's not about us getting. Listen, I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyway. Over the course of the 17 and a half years I've been the pastor here, I've never collected a full salary. My salary is supposed to be what the, what the, uh, public school teachers here in East Longmeadow make. It's about $58,000 a year. I collect $275 a week. In the course of 17 and a half years, I'm not looking for a pat on the back, I'm just telling it honestly. In the course of 17 and a half years, I've foregone over a half a million dollars in pay from New Life Church. You know why? Because I believe in the ministry of New Life Church, and I believe in the kingdom of God. And I believe it's not about the money I have here. I believe it's about what's going on in eternity. And I will forego, I'll go back to work, I'll take a second job again. No problem for the kingdom of God. Because it doesn't matter to me about those things. What matters is that this church continues to reach this community for the kingdom of God. It's not about the money for us. It's about funding the work of the kingdom of God. Get that through your heads, folks. It's not so that I can, it's not so that I can get rich. It's not so that my wife and boys can, can be dressed in the finest. That's not what it's about. My family is my responsibility, not yours. You got that? My fam it's my responsibility to, to take care of my family, not yours. And I mean that with love. It's about funding the work of the kingdom of God. And we're all responsible to do that. Very quickly, you do determine your level of blessing. Luke 6, 38, given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For what, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. As you give, God will return back to you. It's a promise, not from me, not from Allstate. It's a promise from God. If you will give, somebody caught that, if you will give faithfully with a willing heart to the kingdom of God, I promise you I'll give back. I'll give back to you. We'll skip the Acts uh, passage. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. I'm trying to hurry through this. Now, about the collection for the saints. Do the same as I instructed the Galatians church. 
On the first day of the week, each of you set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will, be need, will, be need, will need to be made when I come. Prospering means according to your success. This is why, um, this is why it's, it's, uh, some people would prefer percentages because it isn't, it isn't about how much you give in amount. It's about what you've purposed in your heart. Some of you have been more successful in making money than others. Don't let your success in prosperity limit your giving. <laughs> Listen, I believe the more you make, the more you should give. Seriously. I don't think your giving, your giving percentage should go down as your income goes up. I believe it should just be baked into the pie. If you want God's blessings on your finances, then you must follow God's plan of kingdom giving through his local church. You can't receive God's blessings on your own terms. You just can't receive God's blessings on your own terms. How else will we receive God's blessing? The focus of your investment is determined by your commitment. I believe you make a commitment. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give. Every week, every, every two weeks, every month, however you give, I'm going to give. No, I'm not going to make the mortgage payment all by myself to this church, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to give faithfully. I'm going to give faithfully. And I'm going to set up a pattern of giving because I want God's blessing on my life. Do you understand that when you give, when you activate God's promise of blessing, you're not just getting a blessing on your life, but if you're a husband, if you're a wife, if you're a mother or father, you're also activating God's blessing on your family. Your children will be blessed because you give. Your home will be blessed because you give. We have a zoo in our house. Our animals, our animals will be blessed. Yes. Our animals will have food if we give. And lastly, the attitude of your investment will determine the return on your investment. The attitude with, you, with which you give is how you will receive. Listen, if, you, if it truly is all about the money for you, then you missed the point. If you think that even though we did talk about money today, that all we were talking about was money, then you missed the point. The point is this. God wants to bless your life. God wants to bless this church. God wants to bless this community through new life. In order for us to get there, we all have to be responsible with our finances, with our time, with our talents, and we have to give. You determine your level of blessing. And let me say this, collectively, New Life, we determine the success of this ministry by what we are willing to invest in the kingdom of God through the ministry of New Life Church. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, nobody's looking around, we're just gonna, just gonna ask you one question and then we're gonna pray and be dismissed. And, Maybe you weren't here last week. Maybe you were. This is the week you, you heard this. Wondering if, if what God has, what has been preached these last two weeks, God has used to speak to your heart. And not just your level of investment financially, but your level of investment all over in your life into this church. I wonder if you would say, Pastor John, God is really speaking to my heart right now. I'm not quite sure where he's leading, but where he's leading, I want to follow. And what I need right now is the courage to take those first steps, whether it's in investing your time, whether it's investing in your talent, or whether it's investing in your treasure. It doesn't matter. What if you just raise your hand and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me? Because God, thank you so much. Hands everywhere. Thank you so much. God is speaking to me, and I want to have his leadership in investing. Thank you so much. Listen, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, or if you're watching this throughout the week or listening to the podcast, shoot us a message. Shoot us a message. I'd love to have a, 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 a virtual chat with you about what God can and wants to do for you through the ministry of this church. Father, thank you so much.
for the honesty of those who are here. Thank you for the message that you've given to us. Lord, I know it's not always comfortable to hear about our responsibilities, but God, it's so necessary and so vital. I pray that you'll speak to each heart, each individual here, speak to each couple, each family, and God, would you reveal to us, especially those who raise their hands, would you reveal to us what it is that you want from us, what that level of blessing, what that level of, of investment is. And then God, I pray, God, your word says in Malachi that if we will give, then you will respond and you will open the windows of heaven. So God, I pray that people here, people watching us or listening to us on Facebook or the podcast, God, I pray that they'll put you to the test. And God, I pray that they will give and make that investment in whatever it is you're asking of them. And then God, I pray that you will release your blessing on their life in a tangible, visible way, God, that they might be able to see exactly what it is that you're doing for them and how you're blessing their lives. God, I pray that you'll continue to bless this church and continue to, to grow this church, grow us spiritually, grow us in every way. And may we not take the glory for ourselves, Father, but may we give it back to you. And would you further the ministry of your kingdom through New Life Church? Bless us as we go. In your name we pray. Amen.